Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, The Book of James. As we read through James, we'll see how our faith in Christ should do more than just change the way we think, it should change the way we live. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Today is Veterans Day, and so we just want to take a moment to recognize and thank our veterans who have served and are serving. So would you indulge us and please stand so we can show you our appreciation? Thank you all for your service, and we are indebted with grateful hearts to what you've done. This morning, I want to dive right into this message that we're in, in the book of James. And I want to tell you a story about Joey Prusak. We're going to put his picture up on the screen behind me. At the time that picture was taken, Joey was 19. He was working at a Dairy Queen in Hopkins, Minnesota. And one day he was uh, serving customers. And he happened to notice that there was a man who was blind. He came in with his cane. And uh, as he was waiting in line, the man reached in his pocket uh, to get money to pay for his order. And when he did so... A $20 bill fell out of his pocket and onto the floor. And as Joey watched this happen, he saw the woman in line behind him reach down, pick up the $20, and put it in her pocket. Uh, Joey couldn't believe what he had just seen. And so he went around the corner and he went up to the lady and said, listen, I I saw that money, uh, the man dropped the money, and I saw you pick it up and put it in your pocket. And she assured him that it was her money and she wouldn't have it any other way. So then Joey did something remarkable. He went up to the blind man, he reached into his back pocket, he took his wallet out, and he pulled out a 20, and he gave it to the man. Now, uh, Joey didn't want any recognition or anything, but what he didn't know is that there was somebody else standing in line who saw all this take place. And this person wrote a letter to the owner of the Dairy Queen saying what Joey did, telling the whole story. Now, the owner, wanting to just uh, heap some praise on Joey, took a picture of that letter and put it on Facebook, and the post went viral. Um, you know, people from all over the area would stop and just thank Joey for what he did. And one of the major investors of Dairy Queen, Warren Buffett, the billionaire, called him up and invited Joey to be his guest at the annual shareholders meeting for Dairy Queen. And of course, he took care of him the whole time. And then there were other things that were blessed to him. But, but you know, in the end, you know, Joey didn't do it for the recognition. Joey did it because of his values. Uh, that he values hard work, that he, he understands the value of a dollar, he understands fairness and integrity, and he recognizes, you know, as someone who's been working for a, from a young age, you, you know, uh, that money's a tool, and uh, when you lose something that you think you have, it can be devastating. Uh, the reason I share with you that story is, is today, In the book of James, we're going to be talking about money. We're going to be talking about wealth. And, you know, the first point that I want to make about wealth is this. Um, Our bank accounts have a testimony. They they have a story to tell about us. All right. So let's, before I just uh, get into that exactly, let's look at what James says. We're in chapter 5, the first six verses. So here we go. This is James speaking, and he's coming across pretty heavy. He says, now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. 
Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of the slaughter. And you have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Whoa. James is coming on really strong. And, you know, it's interesting. He, he's writing this scripture not to fellow believers, but he's actually writing them to, to a, a group of non-believers, rich people that he sees are oppressing the followers of Christ that are in the churches that he's writing to. And, and he's taking them to task because he's saying, listen, you know, you rich people, you're oppressing, you're taking advantage of, you're manipulating uh, people all the time for your own gain. And then he really tries to level set what they understand about wealth. Now, here's something you need to understand about wealth in the first century. It really wasn't bank accounts in the first century. In the first century, wealth would be found in one of several kinds of forms. Uh, if you uh, raised crops, you would store up your crops and that would be your wealth but it could rot if you didn't take care of it, if you hoarded too much if, uh, or, or rats could get into it. Um, another form of wealth uh, would have been in clothes or fabrics, very expensive clothes. But the problem with that is if you, again, didn't take care of it or watch it, you know, moths could get in and destroy it. And another form of wealth would be a little bit more what we're used to. It would be precious metals, silver and gold. But silver and gold wasn't as pure in the first century as it is today. And sometimes it, it could actually corrode. So what he's saying is, listen, you're hoarding all of this stuff. You're, you're, you're saving it for yourselves, but it's wasting away. And what you wanted for yourself could be used to bless others. And you would still have plenty, but, but you're hoarding it. And it's testifying against you. And in fact, he says, you know, just like the, uh, like the precious metals are going to corrode, he says, uh, they're going to testify against you. And uh, he says further, he goes, look, this is, this is, these are the last days. And he said, look, the wages that you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. Again, let me go back to first century. In the first century, if you were hired to harvest somebody's crop, to harvest their fields, you would get paid at the end of the day. That was normal operating procedure. You see Jesus tell stories about that in his parables. But what was going on for whatever reason, these wealthy landowners were not paying the harvesters the same day. Maybe they were trying to make sure they would stay through the end of the harvest by saying, you'll get your, your pay at the end. But this was an extreme hardship because these harvesters were people really at the lowest socioeconomic level of, of culture and society. And they actually needed to be paid every day so they could feed their family for the next day. 
And so James is again saying, listen, you're, you're taking advantage of people. And then he goes on and he, he uses this idea of sort of the, the fatted calf, you know, the, the calf that you fatten up for the big feast. And this is what he says. He says, you've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. He goes, you have fattened yourselves in the day of the slaughter. He's, he's saying, you're like the fatted calf who just keeps eating all the grain that the uh, that the, the owner gives you, not knowing that in a few days you're going to be slaughtered for the big feast. He's saying, listen, the end times are coming. And then he says, you have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. What's he saying? You know, we need to understand that in, in James' day, um, you could kill somebody in one of two ways. You could literally kill them, you know, with a weapon. But, but the other way people could be killed and understood was by withholding wages from them, to, by taking advantage of them. And it was all of these kinds of injustices, these, is a, these abuse of power and of wealth that really fired up James and also made God very uh, uh, angry at what was going on. Now, when the followers of Christ that James is writing to heard this, this affirmed them, but it also struck a chord with them because you know what? Non-believers and believers can both hoard wealth. Non-believers and believers can both take advantage of other people. Nobody is exempt from being self-centered, but Jesus calls us to be selfless. So think this through. We all know that wealth can be used for selfish purposes, or for selfless purposes. The issue with these wealthy people that James is writing to was their attitudes, were their attitudes and their lifestyles because their attitudes and their lifestyles testified against them. They told a story about their self-centeredness, hoarding of their wealth and their abuse of other people. They weren't concerned about helping others or taking care of those who were less fortunate than them. But again, what was true for those rich people then can be true for us because we can recognize that our bank accounts, how we spend money can testify for good management or for poor management. They can testify that we manage money wisely or we manage money poorly. They can testify to say that we use it on others or we use it only for our own pleasure and our own fun. So what testimony would your bank account say about you? Now, he's talking about that, but let's, let's talk about the purpose of wealth. And let's, let's turn to the words of Jesus Jesus wrote in the sixth chapter of Matthew these words, and they're powerful because he's telling us the purpose of worldly wealth. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
You know, somebody asked me uh, this week, you know, what am I learning from this sort of intense study of the book of James? I'll tell you what I'm learning. I'm shocked. I've never seen this before to realize how much the teachings of Jesus, James' half-brother, how much Jesus' teachings influenced James. And, And you can hear the words of Jesus. You know, James was talking about how, you know, you can hoard wealth and it can be destroyed. And, and Jesus said the exact same thing. But in this passage, Jesus asked a question, sort of an implied question about what do you value more than anything else? And that question comes out when he basically says, you know, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Where's your heart? What's your treasure? Is it worldly wealth? Or is it in the things that God values? Is it in the the things that will last for eternity, human souls? Or the things we can spend on ourselves and we won't even remember what we spend it on tomorrow? And then Jesus says this. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. What does he mean by that? We we can't take money or worldly wealth with us. What's he talking about? He's telling us that worldly wealth is a tool for us to share the good news of Jesus with other people so that they will be in heaven, so that we will see people that we know and love on earth in heaven because we've used what God has entrusted for, to us for our lives to share the good news of Jesus with others. In another place, Jesus tells a parable. And the parable is about a shrewd manager. And basically what he says in this parable is that worldly wealth is a test for us. Worldly, how we handle worldly wealth is a test for us. So, so in Luke 16, he tells this story about a shrewd manager, a shrewd manager who hadn't done his job very well and he was going to be fired and realizing he was about to lose his job, he went and made personal calls, visits on those who had accounts with his boss. And he said, hey, I know you owe my boss this much money, but I'm going to cut it this much. And he did that with several people. Why? So once he was fired, those people would take care of him. Maybe they'd give him a job or maybe they'd they'd, uh, give him some money to tide him over as he was looking for jobs. And and Jesus tells this story. And let me stress this. He's not commending the dishonesty of the shrewd manager. Okay. He's not commending his dishonesty, but he is commending him for his shrewdness. And he challenges his followers to know that we can use worldly wealth in shrewd ways, in ways that, that's more, more than for our personal enjoyment or pleasure. We can use it to lay up treasures in heaven. We can use it to, to expand the kingdom of God by sharing Christ with other people. So let me just read you a couple of verses from that story. Verses 10 through 13 in chapter 16 of Luke. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, 
Who will trust you with true riches? And if you've been if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? And then he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. He's saying, listen, how we handle worldly wealth is a test. It's a test to, to how much God can entrust to us. And don't think worldly wealth when you think about it, about the privilege, the, the skills, the talents of being able to build God's kingdom. If you prove trustworthy with a little, he's going to give you more to take care of. But he says, listen, you can't serve money and me. You can't serve money and God. You've got to choose one or the other. So how we handle wealth is a test. When Jesus talks about worldly wealth, he's basically saying, listen, you know, uh, to every person who lives on this earth, I'm going to entrust into their care uh, some worldly wealth uh, based on the the talents and skills and and abilities that I've given them. And you've got to use it and steward it and manage it. But at the end of your life, you can't take it with you. So it's that idea that you and I have been entrusted with the time that we live, the talents and skills that we've been given or that we've been able to develop, as well as the treasure. And how we use that is a test. The Apostle Paul picks up on this. And in his letter to Timothy, he writes these words. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So Paul gives this command to those who are rich in this present world. And you're probably thinking, well, that's not me. I'm not rich. Yeah, you're probably not rich as you define rich. But let's get some perspective. Uh, The United States Department of Health and Human Service defines that the income level for poverty of a one-person family is just over $12,000 a year. All right? We recognize that's not a lot of money. According to the website globalrichlist.com, if you make $12,000 a year, compared to everybody else in the world, you're in the top 15% of the richest people in the world today. All right. Now, if you make more than that, obviously you're in the smaller percentage of the richest people in the world today. And just to give us some comparison, that website tells us this. If you make $12,000 a year, that makes you, means you make about $6 and a quarter an hour, which the average laborer in Indonesia makes 39 cents an hour. If you make $12,000 a year, it would take 
Uh, the average laborer in Zimbabwe, 11 years to make $12,000. Um, if you make $12,000 a year, that means uh, within six minutes of your workday, you'd have enough to buy a can of Coke, all right? If you're the average worker in Ghana, it would take you about seven hours to earn enough money to buy that Coke. And if your monthly income uh, from that $12,000 is $1,000, that would pay the salaries for one, for one month of of 73 doctors in the African country of Malawi. Perspective. So when Paul writes to those who are rich in this present world, it's you and me. So what else does Paul say? He says, put your hope in God, not in worldly wealth. He says, uh, put your hope in God because wealth is uncertain. He says, do good. He actually tells Timothy to command those who are rich to do good. He says, tell them to be rich in good deeds. Tell them to be generous and willing to share. He says to do all these things because he realizes to those who have been given much, much is required. And then Paul concludes with a familiar thought. Look at verse 19. In this way, they, the rich people, us, will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Again, he's saying, listen, do all of this for the glory of God. Do this so that you will bring other people into eternity with you so that you'll lay up a firm foundation. Big picture, you know, if you watch the news, it's always talking about the, the economy of our country, of other countries. But let's talk about God's economy. In God's economy, money is a tool, not for self-serving purposes, but for serving God and God's kingdom. In God's economy, money and worldly wealth doesn't compete for our relationship with God because it's just a tool. It's just a thing. It's, it's neither good nor bad. How we use it can be good or bad. So as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to make sure that we put worldly wealth, that we put money in its rightful place in our lives. So I want this morning to say a few things about how we can put it in its rightful place. The first comes straight out of Scripture. Be generous. Be generous with your worldly wealth. Think of how you can bless somebody else. If the Holy Spirit prompts you to help somebody else out, then do it. You know, when you, when you go out to eat, be generous to your server with your tip. When you, when you sense the prompting of the Holy Spirit to help somebody else, do it. 
You know, Scripture tells us, and we teach this at Valleybrook, that we're supposed to tithe. That's the biblical concept of giving 10% of what we've given, what, what we've earned back to God. Why? Because God's given us everything, and we want to bless Him. And the purpose of tithing is to teach us to depend on God. So if you want to depend on God, begin to tell your worldly wealth where to go and start with tithing. But let's go a little deeper. Remember I said your bank account testifies about how you spend wealth. So do an audit of your bank account. Look at where you actually spend your money and decide if that's really how you want to spend it. Learn to take charge of your spending rather than letting your spending take charge of you. And, and I want to add something to that, but to add something to that, I, I need your help. So if you've got a smartphone, pull it out and send a text to 77977. Text 77977. Just put that in the send and then hit send. And what's going to come back to you is um, the Valley Brook app that you can download right here and right now. And the reason I, I want to tell you that is because there's all kinds of, of tools on there. And one of them is a place where you can sign up for our next class of Financial Peace University. It's coming up in January. And when you open up to the Valleybrook app, it's gonna be one of the first pictures you see. So send an email and say, you know what? I wanna sign up for the next class of Financial Peace University. I wanna take charge of my money instead of letting my money take charge of me. And you'll learn all kinds of skills that you need, whether you're 25 or 95. It's not too late to decide that you're going to tell your money how to take care of itself rather than it's going to be in charge of you. But the second thing you're going to see, actually maybe the first picture you're going to see is a picture of Operation Christmas Child because maybe you've seen all these boxes up here and you're going, doggone it, I wish I had done that. Well, if you go onto the Valleybrook app and you see the Operation Christmas Child, you can actually click on it. And right now, this morning, you can actually prepare a box online that will go to a child this season. It's not too late for you to be generous like somebody's been generous to you. And it's not too late for you to share that with somebody else. So your friends, your family, your relatives, your neighbors can do the same thing to, to make a difference in a child's life and lay up treasures in heaven. Other people who will come to faith in Jesus because of what you've done. You know, that's, that's the beauty of, of these boxes, these Operation Christmas Child boxes, because, you know, there's nothing more uh, exciting and heartwarming to see a child receive a gift. And if you've ever uh, seen some of the, the videos, it's just amazing to watch when the kids get their gifts on Operation Christmas Child. But it's more than about the, the physical toys and gifts that they get. It's, it's about the message that they get about, a, about God who loves them so much that he sent his only son into the world that whoever believes in him will not perish on this earth, but they'll live forever. And God's given us this tool called wealth, called money to use. Yeah, to feed ourselves and to heat our homes, but also to use to build his kingdom. 
So I've given you a lot to think about this morning. And I think it's appropriate for me to give you and to give me some time to talk to God about this. So I'm just going to invite you into a time where we can close our eyes and bow our heads and just talk to God about how he wants us to handle worldly wealth in our lives. So let's pray. Father, we want to talk to you this morning about this. So Lord, hear our prayers. Loving and generous God, you have blessed us with so much. We confess that we take it for granted, but now, Lord, we want to we want to be responsible. We want to realize that you've given us this tool, yes, to feed our families, but also to build your kingdom. So, Lord, move in each one of us with the decisions that we've talked to you about today, and help us keep those decisions. Help us be faithful to you. Help us to to help grow your kingdom today and tomorrow and for the rest of our lives. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I close with a final blessing, I just want to encourage you to, with a couple of things. I want you to encourage you to go out and connect with uh, folks during the, uh, the time in the cafe and share with them about what God's put on your heart and, and talk to them. The, the next thing that I want to do is remind you, you know, as we're headed toward Christmas, um, begin to pray and ask God, uh, who do you want me to reach out to and to to share your love with and invite to an event where they can experience more of the love of Jesus during this Christmas season. And then make it a point to act on that prayer as he leads you. I also want to tell you that there'll be members of the prayer team up here after the service. So if you want to pray with somebody, please come up. They would love the privilege of praying with you. Now receive the final blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today and tomorrow and forever. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.